Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, the podcast where I like to change the tagline about what the podcast is about every season. And this season, I think we're going to say this is a podcast about culture and consciousness. But, you know, we'll see what happens as things unfold. So you all might notice already right away that this podcast, that I sound a little bit different than usual, a little bit more casual. And that's a conscious shift that I'm making for this season. And we're going to get into that a little bit during the episode. So I've had a pretty wild summer over here where I just spent a ton of time in, you know, I was about to say agony, but we're just going to say reflection, really, really, really deep reflection on a lot of my foundational beliefs, the core beliefs, perhaps even limiting beliefs, that underpin and that drive the way that I relate to myself. And in that process, really starting to identify what those beliefs are, and then beginning to start to unwind from them and to even possibly maybe start to rewire and tune in to some new beliefs that uh, might be a little bit less limiting, a little bit less agonizing, maybe quite a bit more joyous. So when I talk about foundational beliefs, let me share a little example about what I mean exactly. So as I've been tuning into this, I would say two of the foundational beliefs that I carry, which seem quite connected, are one is about things being hard, thinking that things should be hard, and that if they are not hard, that I might be, in fact, doing it wrong. So this kind of core conviction that things should be hard, that things should be difficult, that things are hard, is one belief that I have been carrying that influences so much of how I see the world, so much of how I relate to myself, so much of how I relate to my work. And another one that is kind of connected to that is thinking about worst case scenarios. So believing that in order to stay safe, in order to protect myself, I need to constantly be imagining and projecting my consciousness out into these worst case scenarios so that if I, you know, imagine the worst, then I will also be able to protect myself from the worst. So those are two examples of these kind of let's just say disturbing foundational beliefs that I have been tuning into. And 
they really tend to color almost everything that one does. I launched a new event series this past August that is called Higher Love. I'm going to be doing an event probably maybe once every season. And it is um, sort of two-part event where I give a talk for the first half of the event, and then I lead everyone who's attending through a guided energy meditation as the second part. So it's really an opportunity to get into conversation with your highest self. And the talk offers sort of a intellectual jumping off point where we start to come into contact with some ideas on a mental level, on an intellectual level. And then when we follow that up with the guided energy meditation, it allows us to continue to commune with those same ideas, but to explore them on a more personal level through our own body, through our own energy system. So anyway, that's the thought behind the event series. There'll be another event coming up. But this specific talk was titled Higher Love, Casting Spells of Worthiness. And the talk that I gave really centered around the power of language and the power of our internal dialogue and also the power of words with regard to how we communicate with others. And one of the metaphors that I touched on in this talk related to this idea of foundational beliefs. And I was using the metaphor of a spider weaving its web. So, you know, this is something that I think probably anyone listening has witnessed before. And if you have witnessed it, you know that when a spider builds its web, what it does is it starts by creating these kind of anchor threads, or we could think about them as struts, right? The kind of spokes coming out from the center of the web. So they create those sort of foundational strands first. And we can think about those foundational strands as these kind of foundational beliefs that I'm talking about. And then what does the spider go on to do, right? It then sort of spirals around and around, continuing to kind of touch on each of those spokes, on each of those struts, on each of those foundational beliefs in this metaphor, and spirals around and around, weaving that web around and through those foundational beliefs. And this is what we do as well with our internal dialogue, with the way that we relate to ourselves. We create these foundational beliefs, or you know, you could say we are instantiated with some of these foundational beliefs, maybe by the folks who raise us or by certain events, positive or negative, that happen to us, especially in our young childhood. And then we have these foundational beliefs and we kind of spiral, spiral around and through them, kind of constantly looping everything that we encounter, the way that we approach things, our mental thought forms, the way that we relate to others, the way that we relate to ourselves. We spiral these things sort of 
through and through and through these foundational beliefs. And in the process, we weave this web. And depending on what those beliefs are, if those beliefs are um, negative or challenging or supportive of struggle, what we might weave is a web that ensnares us or entraps us or holds us back. And if those beliefs are more positive, more supportive, more nourishing, what we might weave is a web that creates a, a safety net that can catch us and support us and provide succor in times of need. And so that is really how I sort of see these foundational beliefs um, functioning uh, within our internal dialogue, within our mental landscape, within the way that we relate to ourselves. And an aside, I'll say um, I actually have had a few requests from different folks if they could revisit that talk or if they could purchase that Higher Love event after the fact. Um, so I am going to make it available and I will put a link to that in the show notes for anyone who's interested in revisiting this talk and this energy session that is about the power of language and this idea of casting spells of worthiness. So anyway, this idea of foundational beliefs and these constructs that we have that color the way that we see everything, that color the way that we relate to everything, including ourselves, that color the way that we move through the world. This is something that I've really been reflecting on this summer and working with, kind of unwinding from some foundational beliefs. And it's a slow and subtle process. I was talking to someone the other day who's a real... <clears throat> who's a real spiritual teacher for me, and they were talking about how when you want to bring in, you know, sort of a new lens, a new foundational belief, how you really have to practice with that belief and use it and work with it in kind of a million different permutations in order for it to really become instantiated, in order for it to really become foundational, right? You have to confront so many different situations in which you have the opportunity to either call on that old belief and use that to dictate how you react to the situation or to select the new belief and use that to dictate how you react to the situation. And so, as I said, one of those beliefs for me has been this idea that things should be hard or that things are hard. And I was actually wrestling with that, that very belief as I was thinking about creating this particular podcast episode. And I had this one approach that I was going to do. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, ugh, this, this feels really hard. <laughs> this feels really exhausting. I don't feel like doing this. And, and what kind of came through as I was thinking about this was this tendency that I have to 
make everything a really big production, right? To kind of do it up really big, to have it be really polished, uh, to really have it be perfect, to really have it be as put together and deep and kind of thoughtful and I'll say again, perfect as it could be. And that tendency, as anyone knows who's listening, who's a perfectionist, I know there are a few of you out there. (laughs) You know who you are. As anyone who is a perfectionist knows, it is incredibly exhausting. And so as I'm trying to tune in to this belief about things being hard and to start to see it showing up and all its many guises and to react to it in a different way and all of its many permutations, I'm trying to really notice when things feel exhausted, to really notice when things are making me tired, to really notice when things are not bringing me joy. And then to ask, like, could I do this a different way? An interesting way that this showed up for me recently that I'd love to share with you just because it was was really fun is that I teach a lot of courses online. I teach a lot of courses on Zoom. And in the process, I give a lot of talks, a lot of lectures on Zoom. And one of the things that is a bit bizarre about giving a lecture on Zoom as opposed to giving a lecture to a live audience is that it's much more difficult to feel the energy in the room. It's much more difficult to understand how the talk is being received. And then there isn't, as there would be in a live setting, that sort of automatic or that built-in opportunity for people to then come up to you after the talk and say something to you to share, you know, a reaction or to share a comment or to share an appreciation. And so I started to tune into the fact that these talks I was giving on Zoom felt more difficult, felt more hard to come back to that belief because I wasn't getting that energy. I wasn't getting that reaction. I wasn't getting that immediate feedback after the talk. You know, it sort of finished the talk and that depending on how I'd structured the event, potentially just kind of close the event and then I would, you know, close my laptop and then I'd be there alone in my house or in my studio, like, oh, okay. You know, with no real, no real exchange there. And so I started to think about, well, how can I bring that exchange back into the equation? How can I bring that energy back into the equation? How can I bring that thing that gives me so much joy? That really makes the act of giving a talk, of speaking, something that I truly love to do, how can I make that feel more enlivening? And I just thought about, well, how can I create a Zoom equivalent of this thing that happens live? And so in my last course channel, what I did was I started to create a a little room for a reception after the talks. So After I would give the talk and I would record the session and I would close the session, I would then stop the recording and create an opportunity for anyone who might normally at an in-person event come up, you know, wait next to the stage to talk to you, to offer a comment or to offer something that they had enjoyed about the talk, just to create some space for people to do that in this little 10 to 15 minute reception 
that I would have after I gave a talk. And I experimented with that and people showed up and it was really lovely and gave me exactly that exchange, that immediate feedback loop that I was really craving. And so I'm thinking, as I said, kind of about how to enliven this podcast in that same way, how to let go of this feeling that I have to make everything a really big production, that I have to make everything perfect, that I have to make everything very polished. And so, as you can probably already tell from listening, I've decided to make some changes for this season of the podcast. And what that means is that it's going to be more conversational. It's going to be more casual. It's going to be less produced. In fact, I will be producing the podcast myself because I think it's going to be a little bit um, more amenable to kind of having a more casual flow, to doing episodes a bit more frequently. Hopefully, maybe this kind of casual spontaneity will also make the podcast a little bit more funny. We can hope. We'll see. And so I will be doing hopefully more episodes more frequently. The episodes may be a little bit shorter. They will definitely be a bit more improvisational. I will be speaking a little bit more extemporaneously. And I am also going to do an experiment this season where I have more friends on the podcast. One thing that I noticed I had been doing with the podcast for so long, for many years now, is that when I do an interview, I tend to put the person that I'm interviewing on a pedestal a little bit. And so that creates a really different dynamic. It's like me as a sort of interviewer on a lower level and the interviewee as someone I respect or admire on a higher level. And so what you get out of that is an interview dynamic, but you don't really get a conversational dynamic. And I want to do something this season that feels more conversational. And for me, the easiest way to start to explore that or to ease into that is to interview friends. So that's what I'm going to do on the podcast this season. I'm very lucky to have a lot of friends who are incredibly talented, incredibly thoughtful, and I'm looking forward to welcoming them onto the show for some hopefully deep and reflective and funny and more relaxed conversations. So that is what is in store for the podcast this season going to be mixing it up. It's going to feel a little bit different, but hopefully that will also make it feel for you listening a bit more intimate, a bit more relaxed, a bit more fun. We'll see how it goes. But I want to explain how I arrived at the idea for this new format, which circles back to what I started out by talking about, which is this idea of foundational beliefs, and specifically this belief that things need to be hard. And when I realized I was applying that belief to this podcast, 
I was able to kind of take a pause and ask myself the question, okay, how could this thing that seems hard be something that sets you free? So really digging into and exploring that. How could this podcast, how could this new season of this podcast be something that sets me free? I've been doing this podcast since 2017, and I am so grateful for you and for everyone who listens, having this platform to explore my voice has been completely invaluable. And I want to continue to see it as a practice ground um, and a playground for continuing to explore what's possible for me and what's possible for us in dialogue. And so as I turned that around, thinking about, okay, how could this podcast not be something that feels hard? How could it not be something that feels like an obligation? How could it instead be something that sets me free? How could doing episodes that were more frequent, that were more casual, that were less produced, how could that be a vehicle for more exploration, for a kind of creative liberation? And I started thinking about the benefits of okay, well, in that scenario, then I get to practice using my voice more frequently. I get to practice becoming more comfortable with extemporaneous speaking. I can connect with and be in touch with you, with my community on a more regular basis. I can cultivate a lighter, more spontaneous relationship to recording by not making everything have to be a big production. And so all of these benefits and all of these ways in which doing the podcast in a new way could be a kind of freedom started to bubble up. And then I was having so much fun with how much energy and inspiration that this question was freeing up that I started to apply it to other things. What are other projects and things where I'm bringing this conviction or belief that it's going to be hard to the project? And what if I, again, turned that idea kind of inside out and I said, what if this thing that I think is going to be really hard could actually be something that sets me free? What would that look like? And so I started applying it to these various other projects and explorations that I've been thinking about. Um, one of them is writing a new book. I've been wanting to write a new book for many moons now, um, but I've kind of built it up as this thing that feels quite difficult. I also have had this idea for leading a longer-term community that I've been holding for a while, but there are parts of that that come up for me too where I get a little bit worried about falling into an energy of obligation. And so I started asking, you know, how could writing this book set me free? And how could leading a long-term community set me free? How could writing a book inside of a long-term community set me free? And as I started to explore these questions, I got this really 
incredible idea for a creative incubator where we all get to create together and really support each other as allies in the process. And this just happened a few hours ago, so I don't have a plan yet and I can't announce it, but stay tuned. I'm really excited about potentially exploring this idea in the new year. So as you're taking on board everything that I've been saying, I think I really want to leave you with the question, or two questions really, of thinking about first, what are your foundational beliefs, or what are one or even two of your foundational beliefs, these beliefs that color everything? about the way that you relate to the world, these beliefs that serve as these kind of struts for this spider web that you weave around your internal dialogue, right? What are some of those foundational beliefs for you? And then, if on the off chance that like me, some of those foundational beliefs are actually things that create a bit of hardship or a bit of struggle for you, starting to contemplate how could you turn that belief inside out when it comes up. So just like I was talking about taking this belief of, you know, it's hard, things should be hard, things should be a struggle, and then reversing, turning that belief inside out and asking, well, how could this thing that I'm applying this belief to, how could that be a thing that sets me free? How could you take that limiting foundational belief of yours and kind of turn it inside out or turn it around, reverse it, flip it upside down, and ask a different question and see what type of answer that you get? I also want to note while I'm here and while we're talking about foundations that this investigation into foundations has not just been unfolding for me on a personal level, or we'll say a psycho-spiritual level, but has also been unfolding within my business. So really looking at the foundations of my business and restructuring, reworking, trying to rebuild a platform that is more steady and more supportive and more in alignment. And as part of that process, I noticed that I have been kind of um, we'll say on kind of a binge of course creation for the past many years. I've created so many new courses and welcomed in so many new people into community through those courses. But in the process, I haven't been able to then bring all of those new creations online and make them available to you. So sort of what's happened is there's been kind of a window where things are open and you can come into a course And then that window closes and the course may or may not be offered ever again. And so I've been trying to go back into these courses, all of these resources that I have created and figure out how to bring them online and make them more available to folks so that all of these really kind of fun insights and learnings that I've been able to share with people in community can be available on a more ongoing basis. And so 
in that process, I have just brought my very first course that I created, Reset, back online. And that was a course that I had opened and closed many times, but it hasn't been available to anyone since, I think, early 2022 now. And I'm so excited that it is now here and it is back online and it is available for you or anyone else to take on an ongoing basis. And as part of that celebration for the launch, I am going to be offering a special discount through the end of this month, so through the end of October 2023, which I'll share a little bit more about in a minute. But if you don't know about Reset or you need a little refresher, this is my course that I call a cosmic tune-up for your workday. And Reset is really all about looking at our foundational beliefs about how we should work, all of these beliefs that were given to us about hustle culture, about grind culture, and <laughs> sweeping that all out the door and creating a new infrastructure that is really built on bringing an intentional and energizing and nourishing approach to our work. Reset really distills down everything that I have learned from my many, many years of research in the productivity space, as well as my own personal experience with going through burnout and rebuilding myself afterwards. And rather than kind of offering these you know, sort of overhyped silver bullet solutions. It shares really simple, intuitive approaches to work and approaches that specifically are sustainable and that really support meaningful, creative work. And a few of the things that are covered in the course are how to build intention and celebration into your productivity system so that you can stay motivated and engaged on long-term projects. It touches on how to align your energy and your attention with the natural rhythms of your body so that you can work with power and focus. It gets into how to set boundaries and say no so that you can really create a safe space for doing meaningful work. Probably one of the most important challenges to learn how to confront in this era of always on communication. And it also talks about how to open up to creativity by tuning into inspiration and self-expression as part of your daily practice. So as I said, part of this new incarnation of Reset is that it's now open for admission on a rolling basis, which basically means it's open all of the time. And I've put it together in a new self-guided format. And that means that you can do the course on your own time and you can do it at your own pace. But that all happens with a lot of cool supports that are built in. There's a 63-page workbook that guides you through everything. There are 50 short on-demand videos that answer past students' most common questions. There's a series of email pep talks uh, from yours truly that help you stay on track as you move through the course and lots of other goodies. 
So to celebrate this reopening, this relaunch of Reset, I'm offering a special discount for $60 off the price of the course. It is usually $379, and that takes it down to $319. So if you would like to get that discount and or you just want to learn more about the course, you can go to jkg.co slash courses. That's jkg.co slash courses. And when you get there, you'll see an option to sign up for this cool educational series that I made about Reset that includes a few mini podcasts and a few newsletter essays. And it will also include this limited time discount to save $60 on Reset. So once again, that is going to be available through the end of October. And if that is of interest to you, you can pop over there to jkg.co slash courses. And I'll also share the link in the show notes. So that's all that I have to share for this episode. I hope this reflection on foundational beliefs sparked a little fire in you. I want to thank you for listening, however long you've been listening. It has been so important and nourishing and absolutely vital to the evolution of my own self-expression to have the platform of this podcast to explore. And I hope you're willing to continue to explore with me in this new kind of more casual conversational format. And I also want to say thank you to my producers and audio allies, Matt Susich and Devin Craig Johnson, who helped me create something really beautiful and polished for many, many, many years on this podcast, and who, uh, without whom I would have never arrived at this point where I felt comfortable relaxing a little bit more and experimenting with producing the podcast myself. So thank you again for your time and attention. I am so excited for this new season and what it holds. And I will talk to you soon. Sending you warmth and much love. Hurry slowly. <laughs>